Hello, my name is Callum Donnelly. I am with Whaley and I am currently the host of the Whaley Just Automated podcast. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing and discussing the topics with Arabinda Bose, who is our CTO for North America. Arabinda, it's a pleasure to have you on the, the podcast. You're our second guest, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Callum. Very nice to be here with you. So, Arabinda, maybe it might be good for, for the listeners who aren't aware of Wele and maybe have, haven't had the pleasure of meeting you. Maybe a little bit of an introduction to yourself and then maybe we can go discuss the blog and, you know, smart buildings, conference rooms, things like that. How does that sound? Very good. Very good. So, hi, everyone. Arabinda Bose. I joined Wele in 2021 as Chief Technology Officer in North America. My prior background has been in many enterprise companies, telecommunication companies such as Nokia, uh, Alcatel Lucent. I also worked for a couple of startups in Austin, Texas, uh, Motive and Broadjump. My background has been in IoT, uh, Internet of Things with fixed uh, devices, mobile and you know all kinds of IoT devices for different enterprise customers. And also lately, I have been focusing on security aspects of IoT, which is also very important as we see IoT proliferate across different industries. So very nice to be here discussing about smart building and a few use cases and how these IoT projects can be accelerated. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, for, for people who are external way, like, I mean, Arabinda is really our, our smart building expert. I mean, I've been on many, many phone calls with Arabinda, so he's a... He's a real subject matter domain expert on this whole topic. And, you know, and the general side of things of, of, of smart buildings and, and, what, and what's going on in the market. I mean, one thing just from reading, re reading your blog briefly, Hyperware Smart Buildings is the, is the name of your blog, the autonomous conference rooms of the future. And this is a really interesting topic because when, when I saw it initially, I was like, hmm, conference rooms, I'd never realized there would be automation in that. And so I mean, really, what was the, you know, maybe you could bring us through a little bit of that. What sure. is the, the conferencing room of the future? Yeah. How yeah. do you see it? Because it was really interesting reading it. And as I read farther through the article, I was like, oh, actually, this all makes sense. Yeah. I know. You, you would not think yeah. that conference. It was intriguing. Yeah, exactly. I, I chose a simple use case for the buildings because it will be easily understood by more people. And I also chose the topic hyper-aware smart buildings because you you probably also be surprised that the buildings consume 70% of the electricity load in the United States. And that comes from U.S. Green Building Council. Actually, to be precise, it is 76%. And Department of Energy says that the buildings account for 40% of energy usage. And you know they use 40% of energy, but actually they waste even 30% of that energy that they consume. So that's actually a, a big, big thing. And it's, it's pretty sobering number. Yes. And uh, a lot of companies uh, have been putting um, a lot of effort, a lot of smart people are working in this area to make the building smarter. But the entire building industry kind of like going through a, a major transformation in the last couple of years, especially after COVID, when people are, you know, many of the people are, working from home, they are not going to the office, they're going at different times. So the buildings used to be very schedule centric, like, you know, HVACs will come and at this time in the morning, again in the evening, then shut down at nighttime. All that schedule centric approach is gone out the window. It's not working. Mm -hmm. So 
many smart people are working to make these buildings adopt, make these buildings listen, learn, communicate, and, and be kind of active with the occupants. And how does that happen? That happens through IoT. So mm-hmm. IoT devices, IoT sensors are the listening devices. And, and that could be cameras monitoring the occupancy of the building. There could be other kinds of sensors checking for, you know, cleanliness, the lights, and, and even audiovisual equipment and stuff like that. So IoT is opening up major uh, opportunities for industries as well as smart building owners, investors, uh, to make sure that the buildings uh, are running uh, top-notch uh, and occupants are getting experience. And also at the same time, we are reducing energy and cost. Yeah. Okay. So, so that be- kind of inspired me to write and keep this uh, autonomous conference rooms as a use case. Yeah. When you think about it, I mean, how, like how the workforce has changed completely, the way people go to work, the rigorous schedule of people being at, in at 9, 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., leaving the office might close at 8 p.m. The systems just know to shut down because there'll be no one there, maybe a security guy. They don't need to have the HVAC on. But now that there could be 60% of the workforce might be working from home certain days, those those meeting rooms and those those schedules aren't just not serve a purpose anymore. And the amount of money, energy that is, that is essentially wasted. And, you know, it, it all comes into this kind of ESG side of things where about the sustainability in the office is, is so important. And how automation of the of these workflows within your scheduling systems can really, really be very, very cost effective for the company. First of all, because they're they're not the HVAC isn't on for twelve hours a day; it's on only at a certain time. But also, it kind of gets down to the the level where the actual the users of those spaces are kind of in a little bit more in control because um, a certain person might want it at a certain temperature you can kind of build that into the whole workflow so for instance i would not like i don't like stuffy offices i like things to be cold or else if yeah. for instance if someone's talking too long and it's a it's a warm office i'm going to fall asleep so it'd be yeah, exactly. fantastic if i needed to be completely aware that uh that that, that that the room would understand my preferences yeah exactly it's the user feedback which also becomes one of the sensors you know you may have devices as sensors but occupants feedback is also a, a, a data point. For example, yeah. you know, companies bring in new furnitures, right? New furnitures, new carpets, and they have paint and they have chemicals. And that could be VOC, which is the volatile organic compounds. And there are some limits that the US Green Building Council puts on those chemicals. It could be VOC, it could be CO2, uh, carbon dioxide, or it could be some kind of gas, you know, and those kind of things put people to sleep, people get headache, uh, people become unproductive. And, and this is actually a big problem in even schools, because schools having uh, not proper ventilation, uh, they can accumulate CO2 and, and then the kids fall asleep. And, and so the productivity, learning capability goes down. So there are a lot of different challenges and opportunities for building owners, facility managers to make these buildings smart, make yep. these buildings learn, make these buildings listen for feedback and then act. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now it seems like a, it seems like a really and also with the with putting in a strategy to basically put in all these sensors and basically create these these smart buildings and these smart conferencing rooms. 
I mean, it also, it's, it's a really, really good selling feature for those companies to say that we are putting in this effort to basically, we want our user satis satis uh, satisfaction to be as high as, as possible. So it's a really, really good competitive point. But something that I something that I wanted to come back to there was, you know, putting in all of these sensors. Um, obviously, that comes at a cost. And, you know, there's a little bit of, there, there's a difficulty there because who's going to do the integration? What sensors do you go to? What platforms do you need? How do you? If you have all of these sensors around the place and the data is going into different silos, different lakes, and it's not communicating with each other, it's a kind of a, a useless, it, it might look cool and flashy, but it's not really going to deliver any real tangible benefits to the to the end user if it's not all orchestrated and interwoven exactly. to an actual, I would say, kind of a living organism in a sense, if you if you get me, it all it has right. to be to understand. So yeah. I mean you mentioned here that you know in the in the in the blog that 70% of global enterprises struggle to integrate their iot solutions into existing workflows and you reference beecham's research that shows that 60% of global enterprises were involved in both successful and unsuccessful iot projects and the one of the problems here was was scalability is it that it's very really really easy to do these projects you know i want four sensors i'm going to do this room and that's great but when you start to build that out into a you know, big a big building, you know, it could be 200 buildings, 300 buildings, and you need to basically manage that and orchestrate it. That's where the difficulty comes in. No, you you hit it on the head. It is actually the, the Beecham report um, and, and their great analyst research company, which I looked at it and kind of opened my eyes that they said 58% of IoT projects actually fail. Only 12% of IoT projects have been successful. And when you, you know, kind of dig down deeper, why only 12% of the companies succeeded? They identified four criteria, four different things. One, there are issues with business goals. Like when you create an IoT project, when you start an IoT project, you have to have some clear goals, business objective. And if that is not set right, people are not getting clear direction and clear KPIs. That was one problem. And then there are companies who have organizational issues, right? Like large companies. We know, I have come from large company and I know how different business units don't work very well with each other. Like that could be a problem there, like strategic differences between two business units. They could have different agendas. <laughs> different agendas, yes, exactly. Uh, and then of course there are technical challenges, like how do you make a, you know, a new technology like IoT work? IoT is not a problem. IoT is actually very powerful, but how you implement IoT is very important. And, and lastly, the customer and vendor issues. Like, you know, you choose a vendor, a third-party vendor to work with. You can't live totally on the vendor. Neither can you do everything by yourself. In both cases, the projects have failed. And that's what Beecham showed us that, you know, companies who have done everything by themselves have failed and companies who have just offloaded everything to a vendor failed. The one that actually succeeded is where the vendor worked hand in hand with resources from the company mm -hmm. and broke the boundary between the business units and, 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 and kind of worked that way. So I highlighted that in my blog and also I took care of the fact that 70% of the companies have actually struggled to integrate IoT, which is a new technology against you know with the existing workflow system existing processes you know it's very hard to re 
and replace a company's process. You know, it, things have been there, especially OT systems, the operational technology systems, they have been there for 15, 20 years. So it has to be very incremental approach and also a step-by-step -step execution where you can also achieve your KPIs. Yeah. Uh, and then scalability, which is, you know, 60% of the customers actually struggled with scalability. So I yeah. took both of them into account and I showed a use case for automation for conference room, but that same automation can be actually applied to, it could be HVAC energy saving, it, it could be monitoring, it could be video security, it doesn't matter. But that's a use case that I highlighted. I mean, since you've kind of touched on that on that use case, and I think that also something that you you mentioned earlier as well is that, you know, a lot of these companies, you said that some of these sensors could be, you know, a couple of years old. When you go through these projects, you don't need to reap and replace everything. You know, you need to get them to basically communicate with each other. Maybe the strategies that kind of going in and putting in everything that's brand new and shiny. But at the end of the day, I mean, maybe this is a nice little segue into what Waylay does is that you've talked about scalability. You don't need to replace everything. And, you know, also the, the kind of the difference in um, the difference kind of uh, objectives of, of what kind of people within different business units want to achieve. And I think that sometimes Waylay is a, is a pretty interesting company that it can kind of sit in the middle of all of that. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty easy to use platform. It's low and no code. It's got very, very strong um, automa automation capabilities. But it also gives um, companies, you know, they don't need to go out and buy everything that's brand new. We can kind of go back and help automate. With all of these complex projects that, that fail, huge ambition, quite a high rate of failure, and never really hits the, the objectives. I mean, how does Waylay help in this kind of really, really complex world of, of trying to automate things and bring in this digital transformation and these IoT devices to make these buildings as smart as possible? How is Waylay kind of the the glue or the engine that can kind of help in this way? Uh, now you are asking the million dollar question. Uh, um, I think the, the way to make a solution scale uh, is to bring in automation, bring in self-service. Those are the ways to achieve the end goal, like how do you scale so much? There are two different camps of users in a in a business generally. It's the IT group and the OT group. So your information technology and operational technology groups. Information technology group has different agenda. They are very security conscious and they have very sophisticated tools. They are very software savvy. They change very fast. And they have a huge backlog of work because everything that a project has to be done and it, it will be in the IT backlog. And they're always short on resources. And then comes the OT, which is a very you know strong team. They're domain experts. They have been doing business. They know their stuff. They know how process control works, or they know how buildings work. They have to be a partner with IT to actually achieve this goal. You know, and we have to kind of bring IT OT together to make sure that everything is smooth and things are going fast. We can think big, act small, and very fast, right? So we have to bring self service. How do you bring self-service? That's where you give the right tools. So you enable different camps of users to work on your things faster. And that's a low code. And that's the no code. And that's why WLA's automation kind of acts like a glue for IT and OT and provides the low code 
console to create use cases very quickly. The use cases that used to take years now can be done in days because a lot of pre-built components are available out of the box, whether it is smart building, manufacturing, telecommunication, or other areas like energy. Uh, the domain experts will be able to build their use cases on this kind of automation platform very, very quickly. And they can do self-service. And that's what we enable. That's mm. where things can move very fast. Yeah. For companies that are used to building their use cases, it could take them months or years to go into a Waylay model that is done in days. I mean, from, a, from an engineering or like a business objective point of perspective, it seems like an absolute no-brainer. I mean, but in terms of that, like from going from years to build something, big teams, big budgets, to then go into months or, you know, even less days with the Waylay way. I mean, obviously the bigger the project, it will be more complex, but I mean, is there any type of examples within the smart buildings sector? If we looked at the example, maybe within your blog, where Waylay can actually deliver those huge cost savings um you know across the board so not alone are your capabilities been hugely enhanced but also your bottom line is going to be impacted as well in a positive way as opposed to these projects spiraling out of control you can actually potentially save money and get greater capabilities within automation that's right that's right that's why i showed an example for the autonomous conference room a simple example our customers have done pocs but many IoT projects actually fail between the POC and the commercial rollout. And, and that's because of these two reasons that I pointed out earlier, which is the, and you also highlighted, which is the integration complexities that comes with IoT. You know, it's kind of underestimated. And also the scalability aspects. So how does your solution scale? There's a lot of companies that have been working on smart building. Building industry is not new. Building industry had solutions but they had siloed solutions. They had fire and safety solution from one vendor. They had a lighting solution from another vendor. They had HVAC solution. They had an elevator solution. Everything, if you really look into each of those verticals, there are just three things, like three major segments. One is your network and connectivity at the bottom, and that includes your devices. And then comes the data layer where you have the actual data coming out from those devices, connectivity layer, sensors, buildings, and IT systems, and then your application layers. So each of those siloed they systems worked for last 10 years. And now from the last couple of years, we're seeing major transformation where how do you break that silo? And the way to break that silo is bring the platform in, which is a horizontal platform, and that can serve different types of vertical use cases. And they need to be connected. Like for example, you know, you need to connect your HVAC system with a conference automation because let's say you are in a conference room and it is actually very uh, hot uh, and humid, actually, let's say, you know, humid, or it could be just that the CO2 level has gone up in that. I'm, I'm just throwing an example here. And once the CO2 level in a room went up, you'd immediately ask the HVAC's air handling unit to bring in some fresh air from outside. That will be the automatic reaction of your automation, right? Open the air handling unit. No, but sometimes it's not possible because let's say you have a, a, a forest fire somewhere nearby huh? and then the air outside is having a lot of smoke. And if you open the air handling unit, smoke can come in also. 
So your system has to be really smart to not only just take action based on something in a very static way, but also be able to look at other data points, contextual data, like outside weather, outside, is it good? Can I open the air handling unit or I should take another action? So those kind of complex logic can be built to an automation layer. And also the system can learn through some kind of AI, ML type of algorithm as well. So um, when I created this automation um, use case, I also took example, how how many days does it take for Wayla to create a use case POC? Let's say POC takes three three weeks, around 15 days, and you want to go to commercial rollout, you have to take the POC use case, you have to see how to scale. To scale, it's, you know, you really need a, cloud-enabled platform that is much easier to scale, you know, your pods, your containers, you you want to make sure that it has the right technology. Like Wele uses a serverless computing engine, OpenFast, which is cloud agnostic. So you are not attached to one cloud also, because we see some of our very large customers, they have, they're not just operating on AWS or Azure Cloud or Google. They, they have in one country, they are on AWS, in another country, they're on Azure. So a solution like Wayless scales on both clouds very easily. So that's another aspect. And then you will do your debugging, you know, functional testing, scale testing. When you do your scale test, you run into issues that needs to be debugged. And your platform has to have that kind of traceability, auditing, debuggability capability, so that you can finish that cycle very quickly between POC and commercial rollout. And that's where we put a lot of effort to traceability. It's not that easy to trace ML execution that are happening in the system. So you got to be careful how much of ML you put there and how do you trace, uh, how do you validate uh, that they're actually working correctly and feed it back into the pipeline so that your automation system is always healthy, working, and also taking care of new cases that may be coming up. So it's being trained, retrained very often. Okay. Okay. I mean, I think we might probably begin to start maybe wrapping it up now, but I think kind of what I'm really getting from this is that businesses, smart buildings, companies, smart building operator facilities, I mean, they really, what's kind of what what I've learned from this conversation is that, you know, the traditional way of doing the automation is that you, you gave the fire example that if the CO2 level goes up in this meeting room and it automatically opens up the windows, but there's a wildfire burning outside and the smoke is coming in, that's a pretty dumb system. They're not communicating. They're not. So what really needs to be coming is that that they all need to be interconnected, interwoven, and that orchestration needs to basically happen. And I think that's something that what Wayday can give. But also what Wayday does give is that ultimate level of flexibility, what you mentioned about the cloud agnostic nature of the company as well, that within different uh, territories and stuff, you have different kind of cloud infrastructures so we can kind of facilitate that. So really, really interesting. I really, when I first saw the blog uh, and I thought about the, it really intrigued me because I was, was like, oh, meeting rooms automation. I was like, I never thought of that. I was like, why would <laughs> I ever need a meeting room to be automated? But then I read it and I thoroughly enjoyed it actually. I was like, okay, this actually makes a lot of sense to me now. And uh, for, you know, the people who are listening to to the Just Automated podcast, I would highly encourage you guys to and girls to essentially go look at it and love to hear your feedback on it. And, uh, you know, myself and Arabinda could be easily contacted via LinkedIn or, or emails, like I'm sure 
they're, they're somewhere on the website. The minute you hit the reach out to us or contact us button, we'd be very, very happy to, to answer any questions that you have on smart buildings or if you're, if you're interested in the whole Waylay solution. So on that note, I might just say thank you very much, Aravinda, for uh, being our second guest on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And, thank uh, you for having me. The conversation. Thank you for having me. Okay. Thank you.